Hello, Cathedral family. It's great to see everybody this weekend. God is good, and all the time, oh, wherever you're at, on campus, out in the amphitheater, in the chapel, the coffee shop, in the main building, all those who are watching online, our online campus, or the other campuses around the bay, so glad that you're here with us. We are in a series called Wisdomatic. We're this month in the book of Proverbs asking God to help us grow in wisdom, to grow in wisdom. In fact, to get in the mood, at one of our staff meetings recently, we had a trivia game to see who was most wise among us at, as a, at, in the staff. And so you can see the three winners up here. There's Pastor Scott, there's Pastor Mike, and there's myself. You could call us the three wise guys. Or you could call us ZZ Top. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) But all month long, we're a part of this journey of asking God to grow us in wisdom. Because when it comes to wisdom and the value of wisdom, I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you're at. If you'd stand with me, we're going to read this verse out loud together. It's a theme verse for this series. I want you to read it with me. And let's fill this place with the word of God. Everybody say it with me. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight, love wisdom, and she will make you great. I hope this is starting to get into your spirit. Let's read that last line one more time. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. Now, we've looked at the, well, we've looked at wisdom and our words, and we've looked at wisdom and our plans. Today, I want to talk to you for the next few moments about wisdom and our money and how we can take back our financial freedom. Can somebody say amen to that? The Bible has so much wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moment in time that you've blessed us with. Thank you for all these wonderful people who are here on campus, those at places around the bay, those who are watching through our online campus and other parts of the world. God, we pray in these next few moments on this subject that can be such a difficult one where we can feel so stressed out or challenged or hopeless or sensitive. God, I pray that as we engage your word through the power of your spirit, that today we would leave here with hope in our hearts that we can leave here on our way back to financial freedom in a valley where there's so much pressure that we can walk in freedom and liberty in Jesus' name for Jesus' glory. All God's people said, let's give God praise one more time. I believe God wants to do some things in hearts today. Well, when you're a follower of Jesus, you remember what side of town you live on. It's not the north side, the south side, the west side, or the east side. Instead, what side of town do we live on? We live on the the blessed side of town. So before you're seated, turn to someone and tell them, I'm on the blessed side of town. Go ahead. I'm on the blessed side of town. Does anyone remember this skit? 
from Saturday Night Live back when the show was pretty good. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> oh, when it comes to money. There, there are television shows about money. There's movies about money. And there are books about money. Oh, my, are there books. I went on Amazon and clicked search for books on money, and there are over 60,000 books about money. I mean, there's books called Creating Money, The Energy of Money, The Internet of Money, Unleash Your Inner Money, Babe. You go, girl, right? There's Buckets of Money. You got to love that title, Buckets of Money. All kinds of books that have to do with finances. Of course, as people of faith, the most important book for us is the Bible. Can somebody say amen to that? that the Bible has a lot to say about money. The Bible shows us how to connect our faith with our finances. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that speak about our money. And there are over 100 verses in the book of Proverbs that speak about our money. And so for the next few moments, what I would like to do is to walk with you through some of those verses that we find in Proverbs and take a look at these five buckets of money and how with the grace of God we can connect up our faith to our finances and we can begin to walk in financial freedom. The Bible says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. That's a way of saying Take a look at your resources and know what's going on so that we can all make the most of what we have. And I believe that today, 
we can take the first step toward taking back our financial freedom. Let's give God praise for what God's going to do in these next few moments. Amen? Take it back. Say that with me. Take it back. Taking back my financial freedom. Now, the first bucket of money I want to talk to you about is what I call the earning bucket. And that we can maximize our earning potential through hard work. Look at what the Bible has to say about diligence. It says, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard, work hard, say that with me, work hard, say it again, work hard. Those who work hard will prosper. Those who work hard will prosper the value of hard work. Are there any World Cup fans in the house? If you've been watching the World Cup, boy, one of the great soccer players of all time, Pele, he was once asked about hard work, and this is what he said. He said, success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, and sacrifice. And one of the ways, it's not the only way, but one of the ways that we can fill up this bucket and increase our earning potential is through good old-fashioned, roll-up-your-sleeves, hard work. If I'm a carpenter, then I work hard at that. If I'm a real estate agent, then I work hard at that. If I flip burgers, I work hard at that. If I, well, if I, you know, if I develop software, I work hard at that. If I'm a pastor, I work hard at that. Good old-fashioned, roll up your sleeves, hard work. Work hard at developing your gifts. Work hard at having a great attitude. Work hard at adding value to the place that you work at. The Bible places a value on a good work ethic. And what we do as people of faith we take good old-fashioned, roll-up-your-sleeves, hard work, and we offer it to God and ask God to bless the work of our hands. Can we give God praise? Amen. Have you ever asked God to bless the work of your hands? Now, of course, we don't become workaholics. The Bible says, do not wear out yourself trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Can somebody say amen to that? But the Bible does say there's a value in a good old-fashioned work ethic when you offer it to God. The Bible says work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. We're not going to just talk about work. Instead, we're going to take the work of our hands and offer it to God and ask God to bless the work of our hands. One more time, let's give God praise. God, we offer you the work of our hands and increase our earning potential. Well, we're taking back our financial freedom. Take it back. Say it with me. Take it back. Now, that brings us to the second bucket, and boy, this is where things are going to get tough. This is the spending bucket. I love this bucket. The spending bucket, we can cap our spending through the power of contentment. The Bible says this about the spending bucket. It says, foolish people spend their money as fast as they get it. Oh, my it's wise to put a cap on our spending. 
but it's so difficult. I feel like this lady right up here. She says, I don't want to spend money, but I want to buy stuff. You know, there's just something. I, I was reading an article uh, that was written by a lady who is British, and she writes for the financial section of her newspaper. And she decided to do this one-year experiment and to go cold turkey off of spending. And so other than essentials, she went for a whole year without buying anything new. And she said at first, it was just brutal. And she, oh, there were days she wanted to go to the mall for some retail therapy. Can somebody say amen to that? Wow. So she fought through it, and she says when she got through the year, it was hard. But then she talked about how much wisdom she gained by doing that. One of the things she gained was this. She said, a year of no spending has taught me what things I really need and it really isn't that much. The power of contentment. Boy, putting a cap on our spending. You know, financial experts say that we should really try to cap our spending at 80%. And that sounds good. But it's, boy, it's so hard to cap our spending at 80%. Because every day, you and I... Let's just get real. Every day you and I are bombarded with advertisements telling us that we have to buy this, we need to buy this. If we're going to be happy, we must buy this. You see 3,000 advertisements a day telling you about what you don't have and you need. Your kids see 40,000 commercials a year telling them how they can spend their parents' money. Hello! I mean, I was just looking yesterday at the paper. This is what I found in our paper yesterday. So much cool stuff. Look with me at this, some of this stuff. My wife, she loves to vacuum. And so I found here on sale a robot vacuum. Maybe I can get her that for our anniversary? Not a good idea. All right, let's move on. Here is an outdoor furniture set. I can get this for 62% savings. I mean, 60%, there's no way I'm going for that. 61%, I can resist. But 62%, I can't resist that kind of sale. And then there is this, look at this tent that's on sale at Big Five. Man, this is such a cool tent. I haven't been camping for 25 years, but this is such a cool tent. I want that. And then, wow, look at this from Michaels. There is a scrapbook for 60% off. I hate scrapbooking, but I can't resist that kind of sale. And then finally, there is a walk-in tub. Have you seen these? Aren't these awesome? I can get $1,500 off this walk-in tub. I'm 58 years old. Maybe I need one of these. True story. My grandson saw the commercial for this, and he's asking his mom for a walk-in tub. No joke. 
No, you are bombarded all day long with this kind of stuff. It's a wonder we can put any kind of cap on any spending. And that's why we need the grace of God every once in a while to help us shout, enough! Say that with me. I want you to shout it. One more time. Enough! That where God gives us the grace to say enough. In fact, I'm going to give you, I'm going to invite you this week. I'm going to go cold turkey for one week, and I invite you to do this with me. Go cold turkey and don't buy anything new other than essentials. Pastor Ken, those new shoes, I've got to have them. Other than essentials. Don't buy anything new for one week, for one week, other than essentials. And instead of focusing on what I don't have this week, I'm going to focus on what I do have. And I'm going to enjoy what I do have. And I'm going to be grateful for what I do have. The Bible calls that contentment. And if you and I can learn the power of contentment that this week, instead of focusing on what we don't have, we'll be grateful for the food that we have or the clothes that we have or the place that we live or the car that we drive you know, or the eyes that we have to see with or the legs that we have to walk with or the friends who love us or the family who loves us. This week, instead of focusing on what I don't have, I'm going to be grateful for what I do have and take back my freedom when it comes to finances. The Bible says a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. This week, I'm going to take back my self-control through the word enough. Shout it with me. En- Say it again. En- Let's give God praise for the grace to say enough. Amen. So we're taking back our freedom, asking God to bless the work of our hands, and asking God to help us say enough through the power of contentment to put a cap on this spending. And then we get to this bucket, the savings bucket. And setting aside what we need today for what we're going to need tomorrow. Look at what the Bible says about savings. It says, take a lesson from the ants, learn from their ways, and become wise. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Take a lesson from the ants. What do we learn from the ants? Here's what the ants do. Watch them this summer. They'll gather food, and they'll eat some of what they gather, but they don't eat it all. Instead, they store some of it for the winter. Because ants know seasons change. Seasons change. Would you say that with me? Seasons change. And so they store some of what they gather for the winter. And when seasons change, that way they're prepared for that change of season. And the same thing is true for us. Well, as we go through life, seasons change. And so 
we make money and we eat some of what we have, but we don't eat all of what we have. We set some of it aside. Financial experts say that, well, it's good to target setting 10% of what you make aside to save it. That way you're prepared when the seasons change. The Bible says the wise man saves for the future. Would you read that with me? The wise man saves for the future. Whether you're younger or whether you're a little older, it's never too late to start saving. There's a couple who's a part of the church. They're a wonderful couple. They've been a part of the church for many years, Jim and Jan White. And Jim is is a buddy. He's been like a mentor to me over the years. He was a high-level manager for IBM, and we would have lunch, and he would share so much wisdom with me, and he also led our ministry here, Financial Peace University. And just this week, we were talking over lunch, and he shared with me about this barber shop he goes into. He goes into kind of an old-school barber shop, and he's been going there for a long time, and he was getting his hair cut one day, and he said, One of the barbers came up to him and said, Jim, I need you to help me out. I'm 40 years old, and I don't have a cent to my name. Not a cent to my name. Everything that comes in, it goes right back out. I need your help. And so Jim told him, okay, here's what we can do. Give me $25 a week. $25. Jim, I can give you more than that. I'll give you $50. No, just start with $25 a week. I'm going to take your $25 every week. And put it away. And so that happened. Week after week, he gave Jim $25. Uh, Sometimes he would give Jim $50, but most of the time it was $25. And today, by putting that biblical principle into practice, three years later, the man has saved over $13,000. Can we give God praise for the wisdom that we find in the Bible? So if we take some of what we have, we don't eat it all, we save some of it so when seasons change, it's good for us, it's good for our kids, it's good for our grandkids. Look at what the Bible says, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Well, then God can give us grace to save some of what we have. See, we're taking back our freedom. Take it back. Say that with me. Take it back. We're asking God to bless the work of our hands and then help us to put a cap on our spending through contentment and then helping us to save what we need tomorrow when when seasons change. We've set some aside and then we get to this next bucket and boy, this is a tough one. This is what I call the owing bucket. Get out from under the bondage of debt. I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. The Bible says this about the power of debt. The borrower is servant to the lender. Would you read that with me? The borrower is servant to the lender. Now, in that day, it was literally true. If you borrowed something and you couldn't pay it back, They wouldn't come back and repossess it. They would take a member of your family as a slave. 
and that member of your family would work as a slave until you paid your loan back. Back in that day, it was literally true. Today, it's not literally true. And yet, if you've ever been under the bondage of debt, and chances are there are people right now in the building, outside the building, that, boy, that's exactly how you feel. You know, debt is just crushing the life out of you. It's limiting you. It's shackling you. That the weight of debt, well, it's just a burden on you, and you feel like you are a slave. And truth be told, when you walk through these doors, you feel kind of hopeless. That it's always been this way. It'll always be this way. Friend, Today is a new day for you. Today is a fresh start for you. That God can give you the grace that you need to get out of debt. God is bigger than the mountain of debt. God can break any shackle of debt. God can give you the discipline and the strategy and the favor that you need. And God can set you free from the burden of debt. Let's give God praise. Amen. I want to speak life over you today and hope over you today. Well, one thing that gets a lot of coverage nowadays is student debt. How kids get out of college and they're just buried and they feel, you know, they're going to be that buried for life. In fact, I found this online. It says, still paying my student loans. (laughs) And that's how it can feel, right? That, wow, I'm just still paying those student loans. But let me share with you the testimony of one young couple, uh, Scott Cody and his wife, Sharice. They went to our financial peace class that we offer right here at church. And let me read to you the story in his words. Scott writes, Sharice and I met at Azusa Pacific University and decided to tie the knot shortly thereafter. When we got married, we collectively had over $100,000 of student loan debt. The mountain seemed insurmountable, but we knew that with focused determination and God's help, we would one day live debt-free. We attended Financial Peace University and gained tools to help us climb and to conquer that mountain. One thing Dave Ramsey, the teacher of the class, taught was to live like no one else today so that we could live like no one else tomorrow. And that is what we did. Over the next four years, we worked hard, and with God's grace and provision, we were able to conquer all $100,000 of our students' loans. Can somebody say hallelujah? (laughs) Friend, let hope begin to rise in your heart today. You don't have to live in slavery for the rest of your life. God has the power through his wisdom to set you free from the shackles of debt. Let's give God a shout of praise. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. God can set you free. So today, Proverbs is showing us how to take back our freedom when it comes to our finances, asking God to bless the work of our hands learning to put a cap on our spending through contentment, you know, setting aside something today for when we'll need it tomorrow when seasons change, getting out of debt 
out of the mountain of death that can just shackle us and limit our lives. And then finally, we come to this last bucket called the giving bucket. And this is learning to put God first with our wealth. Putting God first. There is this guy. This is my favorite internet video of all time. I would love to go to church where he goes to church and give when he gives every Sunday right next to him. I love this guy. Watch the screens. You can see it for yourself. guy now that that is how to give I mean I if I'd pull a muscle if I did that I'd be in bed for a week but that's the way to give a joyful giver look at what the Bible says would you read this out loud with me everybody honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Can we praise God for his word? Amen. <laughs> Overflowing vats. Now, in that day, it's a primarily agricultural society, an agricultural economy. When they have a harvest, this is their income, this is their paycheck. And what they would do when they had a harvest, they would take the first part of that harvest and the best part of that harvest, and they would give it to God. That is what the first fruits means. They wouldn't give the last part of the harvest. They would give the first part, the best part of the harvest to God, to honor God and to thank God for the harvest because they recognized that God was their source. God is my source. Say that with me. God is my source. And when we come to church and we give, week after week, when we give to God, when we give on site, when we give online, every week when we take the first part and the best part and we offer it to God, it's a way of recognizing God is our source. And when I know that God is my source, that's how I can give like the guy in the video. I can give joyfully, honoring God with my first fruits, not my last fruits, not my leftovers. Have you ever done this? Well, you, 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 you're going to give, but instead of giving the first part, you're going to give the last part. Whatever is left over at the end of your paycheck, you're going to give it. You intend to give it. But here's what I've noticed about my giving. If I wait to give the last fruit, there's always something that wants to take a bite out of that apple. I went to a ball game recently with my grandson. Have you been to a ball game recently? 
Talk about taking a bite out of the apple. I mean, the tickets. Well, the tickets took a big bite out of that apple. And then you had to pay for parking. I don't know about it. And then the garlic fries. On the other bus, I'm not a souvenir, not a bus, huh? And then, you gotta pick the gas in the tank and go home again, you And at the end of the game, this is what's left over. Because everything wants to take a bite out of that apple. And this is what's left over to give to God. Instead, we don't give God our leftovers. We give God our best. Amen? The first part, the best part, not the leftovers. Because everything is going to try to take a bite out of that apple. Now, the Bible teaches that the baseline for our giving should be 10%. That's what tithing means. You may look at this grid and think, wow, Ken, I would like to be there, but it just seems like such a stretch. I mean, to 80% live off of that 10% save and 10% giving. That seems like such a reach. Friend, let me encourage you, wherever you're at, start where you're at. God will meet you right where you're at and begin to take something from the first part of your paycheck. It may be 1%, it may be 2%, but offer that to God. Give him first place, put him first. And as you do that over time, ask God to help you to increase your giving until you hit 10%. And here's what you'll find out. That over time, when you put God first, you simply cannot outgive God. Can we give God praise? Amen. You cannot outgive God. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says one person gives freely, but gets even richer Another person doesn't give what they should, but gives, gets even poorer. You see, there's a spiritual principle that when I am generous and I put God first, well, you just can't outgive God. Boy, how do you like them apples there? <laughs> Talk about a harvest. Well, as we wrap things up, thinking about our financial freedom. You know, over the years, Cathedral has tried to practice good stewardship and we've tried to be a generous church. Generous in reaching out to the needs of our community, especially when it comes to ministering to the poor. The Bible says, blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. And we've been 
doing that for a very long time, and God has blessed us in so many ways. Do you know that everything on our campus right now has debt-free to the glory of God? It's been that way for several years. Let's give God praise. Amen? Hallelujah! It's, you know, it's just amazing. We don't have to you know, spend money on debt. Instead, we can spend money on ministry And now God has brought another amazing blessing our way. The legacy of one church and one family and the board, they are donating their property to the Cathedral of Faith so that we can continue ministry in Gilroy. Our campus can be there reaching out can be there. Our Good Samaritan program can be there. God has opened up a whole new door for us in the South County. Can we give God praise for that? Hallelujah! To the amazing generosity. Watch the screens, and then we'll pray together. A truth that you often hear around Cathedral of Faith is this. We are blessed to be a blessing. When God blesses us, it's so that we can be a blessing. And in Proverbs 11.25, we read a verse that corresponds with that principle. And here's how it reads. A generous person will prosper, and the one who refreshes others will be refreshed. That has been the legacy of Cathedral Faith, and it continues to this very day. In the past few years, God has asked us to be a blessing, and we've done it by expanding our reach through campuses and other cities. You've been a blessing through giving millions of dollars of food away. You have been a blessing by building an orphanage and a medical clinic in Mozambique. You have sown over a half a million dollars in college scholarships. You have also blessed ministries all around the world by giving generously. And as a result, God has blessed us in an incredible way with a new blessing. Just as God moved Pastor Kenny Foreman to the Bay Area many years ago to preach the gospel and build a church here, God also moved a young man, Pastor Fidel Ortiz, here from Mexico to preach the gospel and build a church as well. Pastor Ortiz moved his family here and proceeded to obey the Lord by building a church in Gilroy through the power of the Holy Spirit. He pastored that church for many years and then passed it on to his daughter, Reverend Esther Villanueva, who pastored faithfully for many more years. His grandson, Joseph Gallegos, is the most recent pastor, leading the people and believing for God to do great things in Gilroy. As Pastor Joseph spent time with the Lord, he sensed the Lord telling him to give, yes, give their church building on Forest Avenue to the Cathedral of Faith so that God could continue to reach the community and care for the flock. We are deeply grateful for Pastor Joseph's obedience and generosity. This is an incredible blessing to our cathedral family. One of the things God impressed on Pastor Ken early on when God told him to plant campus sites was that one day properties would be given. That one day is here. Two ministry families, two congregations of faith have come together for God to do even greater things as we reach Gilroy with the gospel. Amen. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask Pastor Joseph, would you come up and join me? I'm going to ask Pastor Joseph is here from the Gilroy campus, and, and in fact, his mom is here, and, and their family, and some of the board. Would you guys stand? And I just want to, from the Cathedral of Faith, would you let them know how much we are grateful 
to be able to carry on the legacy, the family and the board and the work that you guys have done down in Gilroy. God bless you. Thank you for building a foundation, man. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thank you. Wow. We're so honored, bud. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, Pastor Joseph, stay up here with me. I, I want us, everybody stand. As, as we wrap things up, I want us to pray together. And I'm going to invite you to do something. Um, if you're comfortable doing this, uh, I want you to take out what represents. You, if you have your wallet, take out your wallet. If you have a, a phone that you do your work with, your finances with, just take out your phone. And we're going to present it to God. And we're going to offer it to God. We're going to declare blessing and favor over our finances today. Boy, it's just my heart is so moved when I talk to folks, and I know the challenges of living in our valley. Boy, the financial pressure, what it brings to families, breaks apart marriages. So many difficulties that come from, from this area, and we're going to believe that today is a new day, that we're on our way toward financial freedom. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So God, we just present our income to you, our wealth to you. And God, we put you first in all that we do. And Lord, we pray that you would increase the work of our hands, that you would bless the work of our hands. And give us favor and increase our earning power. God, we pray that you would give us contentment and that we would find joy with what we have so we can cap our spending where we need to. God, we pray that you would help us to have grace to take small steps today, setting aside, trusting in you for our future, and setting aside that finance and face. And God, I, I, I pray... For those who are in debt today, God, debt is not going to have the last word in their lives. They are not going to die in bondage. They are not going to die being shackled. Instead, Jesus, they are on their way to freedom today. Hallelujah. So they can be free to pursue dreams, other kinds of things that you've put on their hearts, but debt has just shackled them. We pray that you would break the power of despair and instill hope in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.